Our passage for this Trinity Sunday is Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. This is the call and commissioning of the prophet Isaiah, and it is one of the more uh, complete and compelling and dramatic um, visions and religious experiences of God that occurs in either the Old or New Testament. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it. And said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather, we always ask that we will remember. And as we remember, give us the power to go. In the name of Christ, amen. It is likely that a few of us in this room remember where we were on December 7th, 1941 when our nation was attacked at Pearl Harbor and when the next day families gathered around the radio to listen to President Roosevelt deliver his day of infamy speech. More of us remember where we were when we learned that President John F. Kennedy was shot on November 22, 1963. I learned of it from my quiet, demure third-grade teacher, Mrs. Tippett, who returned to our class after she had been mysteriously called into the principal's office and told us in a near whisper that the president had been killed. School let out early. As I normally did, I started walking home. A thunderstorm erupted, and I slid into the back seat of a strange car whose door opened to welcome me into shelter, and dry warmth. The majority of us here remember where we were when the second plane struck the World Trade Tower on September 11th, 2001. 
And then 34 minutes later, when another plane struck the Pentagon. For some in this room, it meant the loss of colleagues, friends, perhaps family members. For all who lived here at the time, it meant the sights and sounds that we in other parts of the country received through television, you received directly. It meant smells described by journalists in masks were smells that remained with you for days. A story that has circulated among preachers for years concerns a small African-American church in Michigan on that Sunday after the Kennedy assassination, a Sunday in which all across the land people poured out of their homes into houses of worship. In this particular church, the minister stepped to the pulpit, pulled the chain which turned on the light by which he could read, opened the Bible, and read words from Isaiah that open our scripture lesson today. In the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. The minister then proceeded to ask his grieving and gathered congregation, in the year that we have lost our king, in the year that we have lost our dashing young president, can we, can we, can we see the Lord? In the course of the sermon, it is as if the text of Scripture leapt up off the pages of the Bibles that were opened on laps and formed a cradle around the hearts of those who had come for comfort and consolation. The minister's words can ring in our ears when something within us or within our lives or within our world has died. And a year in which we have suffered loss as a nation, as a people, as a civilization, can we see the Lord? In a year in which we have experienced death as a community, as a business, as a political party, can we see the Lord? In a year in which, in which we have seen breathe its last, a movement of which we have been a part, a cause to which we are committed, a way of life which we still think is worth living. Is it possible that we can see the Lord? And even in a time when deep and lasting tragedy has come our way, the death of a soldier, the death of a friend, the death of the person with whom we are most close, in all of creation, is it possible for us to see the Lord? The minister's question is so poignant that I thought I would do some research on King Uzziah and see exactly what it was about him that people missed upon his death. As I suspected, Uzziah is not one of the more famous kings of Israel. He is no David or Solomon, no Josiah or Hezekiah. Unlike the president we lost in 1963, Uzziah was neither dashing nor young, at least at the time of his death. 
Eight centuries before the birth of Christ, he had ascended to the throne throne in Jerusalem when he was but 16 years old, succeeding his father, Amaziah. Uzziah reigned for 52 years. When he died, his forehead was covered with leprosy a condition which had come upon him some years earlier when, after several decades of dashing success in battle, in territorial expansion, in infrastructure improvement, in building of cities, in digging of wells, in increased agricultural production, Uzziah, as the chronicler says, grew proud, but proud to his destruction. Pride goeth before a fall, says Proverbs. It is a saying that may have been coined by the sages with Uzziah in mind. You see, Uzziah had so expanded his power and empire that one day he decided to expand his reach into the very precincts in which God resides. Uzziah decided on his own to enter the temple and make an offering himself on the altar of incense. Now, in our, in our day and time, we often take heart when our leaders enter a house of worship to make an offering to God. To simply be in the presence of something other than raw secular political power and raw partisanship. I suspect that in addition to the appeal of romance and royal lifestyle, part of the reason so many people got up so early last Saturday, whether they realize it or not, to watch the royal wedding was to catch a rare glimpse of people in power at prayer. Most of the time it is in fact reassuring to see leaders pray. But Uzziah entered the temple less to make an offering to God rather than to draw an offering from God. You see, for Uzziah to make an offering in the temple violated a role reserved for the priests. It was a gross violation of what we would call separation of church and state. It represented a poisonous mixture of sacred and secular, religious and political, in which the power of the secular world through the figure of Uzziah would invariably swallow up and obliterate the power of the sacred when. Have we seen that? But in the temple, on the day the still dashing Uzziah enters, there is on duty a priest named Azariah, not very well remembered to history, as well as 80 other priests on duty that day. The chronicler describes these priests as men of valor, and in those days, men they were. But they possessed valor, courage, inner strength. They had the ability and the will and the willingness to confront the powerful when the powerful overstepped their bounds and needed confronting. Thus, when Uzziah entered the temple, these priests of courage 
followed him through its precincts and confronted him. It is not for you, Uzziah, to make offering to the Lord. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong. It will bring you no honor from the Lord your God. At this point, Uzziah's face reveals anger and umbrage, and across his furrowed brow begins to develop a pasty powder. He leaves the temple, for he knows that the leprosy that has broken out renders him ritually unclean. Despite the fact that leprosy remains with Uzziah for the rest of his life, he is able to continue his rule, though he shares power with his son, and he lives in a residence that's separate from the palace. When Uzziah dies, he is buried near, but not in the royal cemetery, for he remains ritually unclean. Despite these less productive latter years in Uzziah's reign, we learn from the chronicler that Uzziah was one of the better kings of the southern kingdom and that his rule was long enough and strong enough and filled with enough accomplishments that the nation experienced and expressed a genuine sense of loss upon his death in the year that King Uzziah died. Can we see the Lord? I don't know if the ministry in Michigan sought to describe exactly what Isaiah saw in the temple, what exactly seeing the Lord might involve for us today. But Isaiah himself provides something of a description. The Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, the hem of his robe filling the temple, the pivots of the threshold shaking, the house Filled with smoke. Isaiah's is a marvelous description of his vision, and it is often read or preached at ordinations and installations and confirmations and graduations as well. It is indeed one of the most dramatic and compelling religious experiences described in the Bible. Yet, what exactly might it mean for us today? Several hundred years ago, a rabbi wrote of this text. When a person speculates upon what is above the celestial creatures and what is beneath them, what preceded creation and what will happen thereafter, if that person is not delicate about the honor of the Creator, it were better if He had not come into the world. For us to know with precision what Isaiah saw and experienced just may be among things that we are not really supposed to know. But we can conclude several things from what Isaiah experienced. He is overwhelmed with a sense of awe. He is 
humbled. He is moved to a deep awareness of his own sinfulness and of the fallen and fragile nature of the world. He is forgiven that sinfulness. He is made ready to serve. And he is commissioned. Here am I. Send me. In his vision, Isaiah remains delicate about the honor of his creator. In these times of ours, I would venture to say that Isaiah's vision reminds me that whether we're living in a time in which our earthly rulers are wise and successful like Uzziah in the beginning and like some of our leaders have been, or whether we are living in a time in which our earthly rulers falter, our people drift and die, the place that we ultimately see the Lord, if seeing is even the right word, is high and lifted up above even the meanness of our politics and partisanship, above our knowledge and our ignorance, above our greatest accomplishments and our worst defeats. For us, as for Isaiah, the Lord is seen high and lifted up. Last week, Maggie and I were in New York for the college graduation of Maggie's great-niece. When Pauline was a child, her parents were divorced, and she was raised along with her younger brother and sister by her single mother, who is a schoolteacher in Utah. Her mother early on recognized the potential residing in her firstborn, And she put all of her energy and what finances she had into giving Pauline the chance to succeed. Her mother every summer would load the three kids into the car and bring them east to Washington, to New York, to Boston, to museums and libraries and universities and music festivals, and Pauline took it all in. During the four years she was in college, we were Pauline's home away from home the couch on which she plopped at Thanksgiving until I told her the first Thanksgiving, Pauline, you were at one of the finest universities in the world. Do not plop on a couch. (laughs) She never plopped again. (laughs) Pauline made good grades. She explored the city. She sang in the college choir. And this past year, was admitted to every law school to which she applied. Ten days ago, we sat in the audience as she joined a thousand other arts and science majors from across the world who crossed the stage and received their first degree from Columbia University. A few days later that week, The family of Doris Abawe, whose family came from Cameroon to this country and to this church 15 years ago, and who have worked and worshipped, supported, 
and been supported by this congregation ever since, took the bus to New York to see their firstborn, Doris, receive her degree from the New School for Social Research. And the day after Pauline graduated across the street at Barnard College, Elizabeth Newrider, another firstborn of parents in this congregation who both have and value education, received her degree as well. I thought of all the youth in this church who over the years have graduated from colleges and universities up and down the eastern seaboard and beyond as I watched young adults from all over the world celebrating in cap and gown on the streets and sidewalks on which I walked during seminary. I realized in the presence of these graduates, I was in the presence of much of what is high and lifted up in our nation. The pinnacle of human opportunity. The pinnacle of human achievement. The pinnacle of what an open society like ours can offer. At the same time, I know that I am called to preach a Lord who stands above and beyond even these opportunities and achievements. A Lord whom, if we are to see, we must look higher than even our highest achievements of mind and will and heart with which we have been blessed. I saw the Lord, says Isaiah, sitting on a throne high, and lift it up beyond all that we do or experience, beyond all that we suffer or achieve. Finally, whatever the place is in which we are fortunate to see the Lord, it is not a place that we are allowed to stay for very long. At the end of the passage, Isaiah hears the voice of the Holy One that he sees high and lifted up, issuing a call. Whom shall we send, the voice asks. Who will go for us? Here am I, says Isaiah. Send me. Isaiah is then sent to prophesy to his own people and to nations who are not his people and who are sometimes allied against his own people. For the next 60 chapters of his prophetic career, he speaks some of the most eloquent oracles in all of Scripture. Oracles used to bear witness to the Messiah Christ. Oracles that we know from Advent and from Lent and from Handel's Messiah. Once Isaiah envisions God high and lifted up, he serves God with pen and voice for several decades on the same earth on which Uzziah ruled, on the same earth on which Pearl Harbor and 9-11 would happen, 
on the same earth in which many leaders would meet their ends in less ceremonious ways than Uzziah's natural death. Here am I. Send me. After the assassination of President Kennedy, a young aide named Daniel Patrick Moynihan said, We will laugh again, but we will never be young again. When we have suffered great loss, national or personal, if we can peer over our loss and through our loss, in time, in time, we can catch a glimpse of the Lord high and lifted up, even if what we see is only the hem of his garment. But what we see promises to be sufficient. It will lead us to be delicate about the honor of our Creator. And while we may never be young again, we will again laugh. Amen.